Unpacked, where we discuss the pull of the past every week. I'm your host, Allison Treat. I'm an author of historical fiction and a freelance editor. Welcome to my show. Hello, readers. Welcome back. It has been a long seven-week break between seasons. Um, I don't remember if I told you in the last episode of season two, but I felt um, a little burnt out with trying to get an episode out every week from the end of January through the beginning of August. So um, I felt like I needed that seven weeks. However, I'm feeling a little rusty. So please forgive any, you know, mistakes I make or awkwardness with the interviews. And I think I got into such a groove that everything, I knew how to do a lot of the editing automatically. And it's taken me a little bit to get back into it. I am excited to be back though with a new season. It's going to be a little shorter than my last season. I'm doing 12 weeks and then taking a break for Christmas. So, um, but some of the authors we have to look forward to, I'm going to share a conversation with Patty Callahan in October and also with Kimberly Duffy and um, Amanda Dykes. So if you don't know, Amanda Dykes won the Book of the Year Award last year for um, her books, Whose Waves These Are, at the Christie Awards. And Patty Callahan also had a book win um, at the Christie Awards. So we're going to talk to them about their newer books, and that'll be in October and then November. Um, but today I get to share a conversation I had with Cam Molyneux. So Cam is an award-winning author and speaker, and she wants to help Americans understand and fall in love with their history. So this may feel like it's not as um, interesting to maybe my UK listeners or listeners in other countries, but um, with the state that our country's in right now, I I agree with Cam's assessment that it's really important that we understand our history. So I actually, I met Cam in person at the Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference in June. And um, we just really hit it off and her message is very important. So I'm really excited to have her on the show today and that you guys get to hear about her book, which just released in August. Um, But I think everything else you'll want to know about Cam and her book will be revealed in the interview. So I will get right to that. Cam, thank you for joining me on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. So your debut novel, The Spirit of a Revolution, released in August. Can you tell me about this book? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, It's set in Boston in the years leading up to the Revolutionary War, and it is based on the true story of William Molyneux. Uh, Molyneux is somebody that most people don't know about, because, and this is just a tiny bit of a spoiler, so shut your ears for about 30 seconds if you don't want to know, Um, (laughs) but he died six months before the Revolutionary War began and is still being debated today as to whether or not it was murder or suicide. Um, It's not, I'm not writing a murder mystery, but if you didn't Put your hands over your ears and you know that. Now you can look for little clues to help you figure out whether or not you think it was murder or suicide. Uh, Mm. I'm not into scary uh, stories, and so it's not really a scary story in that regard. But that's why it's not known is because he wasn't around uh, when uh, when the founding fathers started doing their thing. Uh, But my book is really about the 10 years leading up to the Revolutionary War. And 
Historians say that Molyneux was second only to Samuel Adams in his influence on the streets in Boston in the day. So he was a heavy hitter, so to speak. He, uh, he was very much involved. He was Samuel Adams' right-hand man, and uh, he was John Hancock's next-door neighbor. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was also the oldest participant of the Boston Tea Party. And I like to say that it not been for William Molyneux, the Boston Tea Party may never have happened. Uh, Mm. The Boston Tea Party was considered treasonous uh, by some people. And so it's not something that uh, the folks that participated in it really advertised uh, the day after uh, Mm -hmm. because, you know, they would have been in big trouble. But Molyneux is among just a handful that everyone agrees was at the Boston Tea Party. He was not uh, he was not bashful about being out front and center, even uh, in things that would be considered treasonous and might cost him his life. Right. Wow. So you share a last name with William Molyneux. Um, Is that part of the inspiration for this novel, or can you tell us what inspired you to write it? Sure. There were actually a couple of things that came together on a a family vacation. Um, In 2013, I was on a family vacation with my brother and his family and my parents. And the thing that inspired me was my concern for our country. Mm Mm-hmm. I had been doing a lot of family tree research, and this is going to sound unrelated, but it actually is related. I was a licensed residential builder and had my own construction company until the collapse of the housing industry in 2008. Mm. And after that point, and you've you've met me, you know, I don't look like a builder. No. <laughs> my, my husband says that a woman builder should look like a, a German Olympian shot putter. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, uh, and I don't. I'm very petite. Right. Um, but uh, so his nickname for me when I was in construction was Brunhilde. Uh, he felt <laughs> like that was more of a fit. Uh, but I digress. Um, but after the collapse of the housing industry, I had lots of time on my hands and I'm not one to sit around and twiddle my thumbs. And of course, there weren't jobs to be found. And mm-hmm. so I got into studying my family tree. At the same time or around the same time, my husband found a news source that was providing us with information that really raised our concern for our country and this was this was 10 years or so ago. Mm-hmm. And I would come home from work and my husband would have just listened to an hour worth of information. And uh, he would kind of have this deer in the headlights look. And he would uh, try to start telling me things that were going on behind the scenes in our country. And I would say, can I at least take off my shoes before you tell me all of this? I, I was really interested, but, you know, it was just a lot to take in. So on yeah. this family vacation in 2013, 20, August 2013, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, that last day of family vacation. And of course, on family vacation, you know, you're 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 more relaxed. Your head is more clear. You can think more creative thoughts, et cetera. And so at four o'clock in the morning, I woke up and realized that I had a book to write. And the way that those two things came together in my mind uh, was that, number one, 
I realized I had people in my family tree that I could use to tell a story. Mm. And the people in my family tree were a lot like Molyneux. They were unknown, but they had a significant role to play in the Revolutionary War period. So I felt like that I could tell their story and inspire people and educate people about what our founding fathers believe was worth fighting for. And I feel like that people, you know, everyone has a role to play and it looks different. And for me, it was writing a book. Mm -hmm. Wow. So interesting. So can you tell us more about who exactly William Molyneux is? Well, again, he's John Hancock's next door neighbor. And of course, Molyneux is my main point of view character. Mm hmm. But one of the things that uh, has been a hobby of mine for 30 years or so is setting personality types. And I just mm-hmm. love learning about different types of people. And I feel like God created us each to be unique, but there's also some similarities. And of course, uh, when you're studying personality types, you kind of uh, put people in a bit of a box um, and some people don't like that. But of course, early on when I was preparing all my research, for my book, part of that was trying to figure out who these characters were and what their personalities were. And so Molyneux, I pulled out some of that information uh, before we came on the air. And I'm just going to read a couple of sentences, two or three sentences here that describe Molyneux uh, as far as his personality. It says that his personality is hardy and frank, decisive and leaders in activities. They are usually well-informed and enjoy adding to their fund of knowledge. They may sometimes be more positive and confident than their experience in an area warrants. So Molyneux was very confident and he was out there in front of the people. He loved Mm -hmm. rallying the troops. Uh, When I say the troops, I'm talking about just street people. He was considered Mm -hmm. a gentleman as far as his status in society, but he could be friends with the commoner. He was a friend of Paul Revere, and Mm. uh, Paul Revere was not on the same level as Molyneux. Molyneux was a merchant, and I didn't like the fact that I found out he smuggled tea Mm -hmm. because he wanted to avoid paying taxes. Well, of course, we know that became an inspiration for the Revolutionary War, uh, taxation without representation. Right. And one thing that really struck me as I wrote this book is that these founding fathers that I wrote about, we, we have a snapshot in our mind as to who they are and who they were. And that's true. But I was able to go back further in time And John Hancock is a perfect example of that. He was about 27 years old when my book opens. And his next door neighbor, you know, William Molyneux, was a lot older. He was 20 years older than John Mm -hmm. Hancock. And I have a scene in the book where Molyneux and Hancock are talking and Hancock, John Hancock is struggling with some things. And we don't think about John Hancock, the one who wrote, you know, the huge a signature on the Declaration of Independence as struggling. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also found out that he had physical issues. And we don't mm. think about that. They're real people. 
And right. that's, that's what I realized. And that's what I tried to communicate in my book. They're real people who had real struggles. Yeah, it's so interesting. We forget sometimes that these giants in history were actual humans. Yeah, yeah. And so a big part uh, that Molyneux played was that he would he would get people excited. Mm. And he tried to stop short of crossing that line that it was wrong um, and Samuel Adams kind of had to reel him in a few times because Molyneux just loved being the life of the party. Anytime that I had, a, I was writing a scene and it seemed a little boring, I would ask myself, where is Molyneux? And if I could get Molyneux in the scene, everything livened up. Ah, oh, interesting. <laughs> so it sounds like he played quite a role in America's history. Um, so why, like, I mean, I've read my fair share of revolutionary or colonial um, novels and <laughs> novels about the colonial period. Um, and I had not heard this name before. Why is he, is he not well known? Well, again, because he died six months before the war started and uh, he just kind of got forgotten about. And he mm. also was not a writer. You know, some people oh. are writers. Some people are, are uh, people that are more upfront and he was more of an upfront person. And so he was not much of a writer. I did find a couple of things that he wrote. One thing, of course, that you may already know is that some documents were burned before uh, they were able to be seized by the British because, of course, they would uh, be part of the evidence against uh, the founding fathers uh, that would result in death. And so as far as we know, and, and based on his personality, I doubt he was much of a writer he just liked to be out there, you know, in person, face to face, the life of the party. And so I think that's another reason that he's probably not known is because he was not a writer. He was not around to sign the Declaration of Independence. Um, right. And so uh, he just got forgotten about, you know, in the midst of the war, the the physical battle battles. Uh, I like to remind people that John Adams said that the actual revolution took place in the minds and the hearts of people. Mm, Yeah. And that's what I'm writing about. That's cool. So how are you related to him and how has that played out in your family? Well, several years back, and I can't remember if this was before or after I started writing my book, I kept hearing a family tradition that he was in our family tree I really didn't think that he was. It's typical for people to graph famous people in from history into their family tree. Yes. And and I knew that. And so finally, the family tradition just would not go away. So I eventually sat down and said, you know what? I'm just going to spend a few days and prove that he's not in my family tree. And then we can put it to rest <laughs> and move on. <laughs> well... I tried to prove he was not in my family tree and the evidence I kept running across indicating indicated otherwise. And then two years ago, some more evidence surfaced that kind of confirmed that we haven't figured out exactly where he fits in. And he did have a daughter who had a son, but the other two sons that I know about that live beyond a childhood I have not been able to find any children uh, of theirs. 
And then there's at least one other person uh, who may have been a son of his, but I couldn't find proof. So I did not include mm-hmm. him in the book. So we're still trying to piece it all together. And of course, it was 250 years ago, and it's harder to find that documentation. But we're hoping that as time progresses, that we'll continue to learn more and more. And I've been amazed even in the last couple of years what we've been able to learn. And so I'm hoping maybe within the next year or two that we'll be able to figure out exactly how the dots connect. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, so what do you want readers to take away from this novel? I would really like for them to be reminded of what our founding fathers believe was worth fighting for. There's so many things in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution that sometimes seems like a list. I mean, today there are so many things that are being uh, talked about and that are controversial that our founding Mm -hmm. fathers really believe were, were worth fighting for. And in my book... I want people to realize the context in which those things happen. I had no idea that there was this 10-year period leading up to the revolution, uh, Revolutionary War, that resulted in, um, in what we now know as Revolutionary War. But I was just amazed at how some of the things, newspaper articles and things, they're the same things that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know, it was jaw dropping at times that I would read. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's exactly what could be in the headlines today. And I was amazed. And some of the things that I didn't even think about being so significant, the right to a trial by a jury, um, you know, that comes out in the book. We think about the right to bear arms and the right to free speech and freedom of the press. And those were certainly things that they were dealing with back then. But really, again, I go back to John Adams. Uh, We do have a lot of things that he wrote, and that's very helpful. He sat in a courtroom in 1761, I believe it was. This is right before the beginning of my book. And so it's not quite as clear in my mind. But what he said later is he said that that is where freedom or liberty was born. And Mm. Molyneux was part of the 50 some odd men who were part of that court case. And that court case had to do with the right to privacy. Oh, wow. And that was (laughs) 250 some odd years ago. So, uh, again, we're, we're dealing with some of the same things now that they dealt with back then and that they were will- willing to fight for. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. So what are you working on now? What Can you tell us what's next? When I woke up at four o'clock in the morning on the last day of family vacation, in my mind, I was thinking it was going to be one book with three sections. I knew nothing about writing a book at that point. Um, I (laughs) just really didn't. I had written through the years and I enjoy writing, but I had never envisioned myself writing a novel. Wow. But when I thought about the three parts, I came home, I went to the library, checked out books related to writing a book. And I originally thought it was going to be the three parts. And so I... I eventually realized that it needed to be three different books. Mm -hmm. Well, I've laid the groundwork for books two and three. 
I haven't gotten back to them yet because I've been busy uh, with the final uh, touches on my book and, and getting the word out there. But I'm hoping yeah. to get started back on that sometime this winter. It will be set in Virginia and it will be using another un- unknown character as the main character. And he is in my family tree. I can I can prove that. And his, okay. name, is, his name is Edmund Pendleton. Mm-hmm. And he was a friend and colleague of George Washington. He stayed with George Washington and Patrick Henry on their way to the Continental Congress. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, so people, I mean, I see his picture in, when I go to Virginia in libraries and courthouses and that kind of thing. So, you know, he's known among historians, but his name certainly is not known. But the interesting thing is that for my second book, I believe that the antagonist will be Patrick Henry. Oh, I know we think about him being the protagonist, but he yeah. uh, will be the antagonist. Um, I call him Uncle Edmund, Uncle Edmund <laughs> Pendleton. Um, he he was friends of it with everyone. He was a much different character than William Molyneux, but he was friends with everyone. And Patrick Henry had lots of enemies. Um, mm-hmm. But but Edmund Pendleton, I believe, only had one enemy, and that was Patrick Henry. <laughs> they were, wow. They were, they were the leaders of totally different factions. Uh, Patrick Henry was very similar to William Molyneux as oh. far as his personality. And he was just out there and um, a firebrand and just just excitable. Uh, Edmund Pendleton's not like that, but he did have a nephew who was also in Virginia. And the nephew eventually had to flee to North Carolina because he spoke against the king and he refused to pay the one pence that he was charged because of speaking against the king. Ah. And so he'll probably be another main character as well. Okay. Wow. Cool. Um, So you have three books planned instead of three sections now? Right. Right. I, I originally started by wanting to tell 100% accurate information. So it was narrative nonfiction. Mm. And I ended up with 27,000 words. Mm. And that's not enough for a book. No. (laughs) And so I also decided I wanted to reach a broader audience than what narrative nonfiction would would reach. Yes. My original thought was that uh, my main target market was going to be politically conservative middle-aged men. Hmm. I had been working around men my whole adult life, and it just right. made sense to me. And so I would be pitching to that demographic standing in the foyer at church, and the wife would be standing next to him. And when I finished my pitch, the wife would say, yeah, it sounds like something he wants to read, and I want to read it, and I want my kids to read it. <laughs> <laughs> And and I love following rules and I knew I was supposed to narrow my target market. And so the wife was really not helping me narrow my target market by saying that. (laughs) But I eventually learned that it was not so much about the age of the reader as much Mm -hmm. as it is about love of country or Uh about wanting to teach your children about love of country. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So you mentioned that you were a builder for a long time and that, but you, you liked to write. Um, but how, I mean, I know how you got the idea for the book, but how did, what was the publishing journey like? What you, you said it took, 
you eight years to write the book, right? And then well, and from, then what happened? Well, from the time that I had the idea to write the book eight years ago uh, until it got out there, um, you know, it was eight years. All along the way, I went to writers' conferences. I pitched my book to literary agents. I had several that were interested. Mm-hmm. But, of course, writing historical fiction, even though I don't like to use the word fiction since my book is so close to the truth, um, mm-hmm. but historical fiction, uh, I knew that I had to finish writing it before they would be willing to look at my book proposal and then, of course, send part of the manuscript. Right. So that was my plan all along is to go the traditional route. But last November, I went to a writer's conference, uh, Blue Ridge, which a lot of folks know about. It's one of the largest, probably the largest Christian writers conferences in the world, uh, certainly in the Southeast. Yes. And I went there and I met Athena Dean Holtz with Redemption Press. We really hit it off. We both have the strong woman thing going on. And I went to her sessions where she was basically talking about uh, the publishing world. She was a pioneer in Christian self-publishing 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. She now has her own hybrid publishing company. Mm -hmm. Long story short, well, it was really a short story because a week or two later, I signed a contract (laughs) for her book. (laughs) Uh, She had a special going on. Because my husband has been so supportive in this, uh, part of our journey has been that he had to quit his job about 15 years ago because of health issues. And I became a builder uh, as a result of that. That's a whole other story. And then the collapse of the housing industry, all that to say that it's not like we are independently wealthy, but Mm -hmm. we both believe in this project. So my husband at one point gave me permission to quit my job so I could finish writing this book. Oh, wow. And so it was a step of faith, but we really felt like the Lord that wanted us to do it. This was maybe maybe four years ago. And of course, I thought, oh, I can finish this in a year. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> you know, life happens, right? Uh, we, right. Moved, we moved in the process and various things like that that just disrupt life. And so it took me a while to finish it, um, but I've been getting lots of positive feedback. So I signed the contract at the end of November of 2020, Mm -hmm. and the book came out. It was released on Amazon on August the 9th. I'm not focused on a particular date. I know some authors focus on a particular date for a launch, and that's that's great. But my circumstances seem to indicate I needed to focus on a couple of months. And so I'm kind of in the midst of it. August and September, I have a book launch party next week uh, that Mm -hmm. uh, a group is uh, is uh, hosting for me. And so it's just kind of spread out because it's so much. After after that many years of working on my book proposal, I had pages and pages of ideas for how to get the word out there about my book. And I just needed more time to uh, to do that. Yeah. So this is a question I ask all my guests. How do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present? Well, I would say that's exactly why I wrote this book is because I wanted people to be educated and inspired by our founding fathers. 
And I wanted them to understand what they believe was worth fighting for. I know a lot of the things that they believe was, was worth fighting for are controversial today. And again, there's so many similarities uh, from the book to what's going on in today's world. But I really feel like that getting inside their skin helps us realize that they're real people. They're not mm-hmm. just these amazing people, which they were, but they had real struggles like we do, whether it was health or financial or relationships. And if we can see that and realize that we don't have to have everything all together in order to make a difference, I think it can be very inspiring and encourage us to do the same, make a difference regardless of all the things going on in our lives. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So, Cam, this has been a wonderful conversation. What is the best way for listeners to follow you? The best way would be to go to my website, which is my name, Cam Molino. I know it's unusual. It's C-A-M Molino, M-O-L-I-N-E-U-X.com. And on my website, there's a way that you can contact me. You can also see um, there's a tab that has to do with speaking. I'd love to speak to special interest groups and maybe even homeschool groups, private schools. I'm writing on an adult level, but uh, those students, you know, the young adults, the teenagers that read on what would be considered a higher level than um, than maybe a, a stereotypical person their age, I'd love to right. be able to speak to uh, to those groups as well. I've had tons of feedback everywhere from a 13-year-old homeschooler to a 73-year-old Navy veteran um, and a lot of people in between. And so I'd just love to be able to share what's on my heart as far as my concern for our country and the way that I would communicate that would be what our founding fathers believe was worth fighting for and the people that were involved in fighting for our country, even before the first shots were fired. Right. Well, it's an important message and I hope you get a lot of um, interest and, you know, can make a difference this way. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. I really enjoyed it and I appreciate you having me here. Oh, thank you for being with us. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Cam Molyneux. If you like what you hear on Historical Fiction Unpacked, can you please subscribe or follow this podcast? Apple Podcasts changed, um, if that's how you listen to podcasts, they changed it from subscribing to following. So the other day I was looking for how to subscribe to a podcast and could not find it. That's because now it's called follow. So follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review. Um, the review doesn't have to be long, but the more reviews I get, uh, the more people will be able to find this podcast. And it would be awesome if more and more readers of historical fiction could find and listen to the podcast. You'll also want to visit the show notes, which might be on your podcatcher. Um, but if you can't find them there, then go to alisontreat.com slash blog. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T dot com slash blog. The show notes for this episode will have links to Cam's books and her website. And I always include a link to our Facebook group, which you can find from the show notes, or you can go to Facebook and just search for Historical Fiction Unpacked Podcast Group. And we always discuss the show on there every week. So definitely check it out if you enjoyed this episode. I want to leave you with 
a quote that I found in the newspaper. Well, not in a newspaper, but a quote that was published in the newspaper after William Molyneux died. So it was about him and his um, love for his country. It says, it was his pride to confront the power and malice of his country's foes. It was his constant wish and unremitted effort to defeat them. So I hope you enjoy that little shot of patriotism today. But more importantly, keep reading historical fiction. And I will talk to you again next week. <laughs>